with the kayak feeling. So then all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse, or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. Here on MutinyRadio.fm, it's Wednesday. It is high noon. High noon, absolutely. It's always high time here on the Altacast. I'm your host, Pam Benjamin. I'm going to be joined by Latoya, the Sheriff of Truth Win, at 1 o'clock today. But from 12 to 1, oh, I have a show prepared for you today, everybody. Hey, it's National Women's Day. All right. We get a day to... Uh, I don't know, be real people. (laughs) I've been reading a lot of the Bible recently about abortion. There's only one thing in there. Uh, Some other great things from the Bible today. I looked like a weirdo on the bus with my Bible reading it. Not not getting back into it in the way that you think, Christian's actually going to use it against you. Your own book espouses Marxism. Yet... Ye who did not read it and misinterpret it incorrectly. Also going to be talking today about um, some women's history. <sighs> and we're going to be doing the gnarl pro-choice news because, hey, that directly affects us all the time. And in places like Indiana, women are too stupid. And the boys, the men that got them pregnant, they have to sign off on their abortions now. Because uh, women just aren't smart enough to know what's going on with their own bodies. And they're just hosts. Just hosts for semen and penis. Because uh, we aren't real people. I get so angry. Uh, but thanks to comedian Steve Poggi, uh, who grew the Poggi OG, I actually, yesterday, I, it's epiphanous weed. It caused an epiphany. I finally understood slavery because of his marijuana that he grew. Uh, well, I'll just start out with it. It gets to this. Because it, I've been thinking, like, how can people think they can own people? That is like the word, it's selling and buying and selling of people. But I finally got it. I had this epiphany. It's hard for me to understand because I'm never going to have a baby. When you make a baby, you own that baby. You own them. You literally own them. You made them like an art project. It's like taking, you know, construction paper and a magazine and glue. I'm going to say that the glue stick is the semen and uh, all the rest of it. The pictures, blah, blah. You're making a collage, a piece of art. It belongs to you. It's your piece of art. You could sell it if you want, if you want to, uh, on the black market or on any market, really, if you keep your kid around, you can, and they're cute enough, you can make them a child model or a child actor, and you can ruin them for the rest of their lives by uh, making them an egoist and putting them in front of other people and changing the perception of their life. Anyways, you own them. You're making money off them, and it's a, it's a form of slavery. 
so now I understand slavery. Thank you, Steve Poggi, for growing the Poggi OG, because I finally understand why people would buy and sell people, because if you can make people, <laughs> that's slavery right there, right? Just because you, I mean, I guess when they're 18, they're emancipated. But still, I mean, people who make people have ownership over those people. Now, I am never going to make people and that's a choice of mine because I get to do that because I'm an adult just like I've decided I'm never going to drive a car again why well because I drove drunk so much I'm not responsible enough to drive a car therefore I don't drive a car because I'm a responsible adult I love to drink therefore I don't drive a car also I love to drink so I'm never going to have a kid duh don't make people have kids that make drunken mistakes and have sex with people well now they have to have a kid because we know alcoholics make the best parents that's what we know. That's what we've learned. I, it just, it, it's so crazy to me because I'm making a choice as a 42-year-old woman to never have a child. For your good, America, you don't want me to have a kid. Come on. There's a lot of people that don't want to have kids. Don't make them have kids. What's wrong with you? Well, it's a moral thing, isn't it? Oh, it's such a moral decision. Well, let's go to the Bible for that moral decision. Uh, I was looking up in my life application Bible today. I looked up in the back, uh, I looked up abortion, because I was like, I wonder what the Bible says about it. Uh, and thank God we get to go to Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles, uh, chapter 28, verse 3. I'll just start at the top of it. This is Ahaz, the king of Judah. Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. Unlike David, his father, remember David the king david the great guy bathsheba lots of uh you know breaking that just lots of sex he's very sexy uh, sexy king unlike david his father he did not do what was right in the eyes of the lord he walked in the ways of the kings of israel who also made cast idols for worshiping the balls he burned sacrifices in the valley of ben hinnom and sacrificed sons in the fire following the detestable ways of the nations or detestable ways of the Hinnom. Oof, it's hard to read this. Detestable ways of the nations. Detestable ways of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. He offered sacrifices and burned incense in the high places, on the hilltops, and under every spreading tree. This is the only mention of abortion in the Bible. So, And it's not even really abortion. Let's read the little note underneath here. It says, imagine the monstrous evil of a religion that offers young children as sacrifices. God allowed the nations to be conquered in response to Ahaz's evil practices. Even today, the practice hasn't abated. The sacrifice of children to the harsh gods of convenience, economy, and whim continues in sterile medical facilities in numbers that would astound the wicked Ahaz. If we allow children to, be, to come to Christ, we must first allow them to come into the world. Okay, so this is that that underneath there we get the that was the editorial from the Life Application Bible. So what they're talking the only mention of abortion in the Bible is not even about abortion. It's about child sacrifice, which we know like there was sacrifice in historical terms and we don't do it anymore and that's great, but to to try to tie that into abortion is uh, whatever. Uh, to that, that's so funny. To the harsh gods of convenience, economy, and whim. Oh my gosh. Well, first the Catholics are like, well, don't use condoms and don't have birth control. Now I guess they can. I guess the Pope has said they can have birth control. But 
Ah, the ability to have or not have children. It it should be up to the individual. I'm I, I get to make those choices. I guess we didn't used to I mean it's funny, I'm gonna talk today about historically some of this women's stuff. We just we just didn't even get the opportunity to uh make the choices because we weren't it's so I, it's really hard for me to wrap my brain around and it hasn't been that long since we've had like these freedoms and i'm sitting here talking freely on the radio and i get up on stage and i talk about hemorrhoids and my butthole and that's crazy and that's insane because all of these feminists worked for so many years so that i get to talk about my butthole am i <laughs> being am i being flippant about it maybe but uh not really it's i Free speech is very important to me, and especially in women. Yay, AltaCast. Uh, we're going to get into the Gnarl Pro-Choice America Minute and the Drug Policy Alliance news uh, after, after this. Uh, so this is from Made in America by Bill Bryson, and this is from his chapter, Sex and Other Distractions. It's a, it's a history book about the history of uh, the American language, so getting keeping tying all that free speech together for you guys today. This is going to get a little long. Uh, this is, so we're talking, we're, um, we're here in like the 1800s about how uh, puritanical we were with our language. For women in particular, this rhetorical fastidiousness was not just absurd, but dangerous. For most of the 19th century, ankles denoted the whole of a woman's body below the waist, while stomach did similar service for everything between the waist and head. It thus became impossible to inform a doctor of almost any serious medical complaint. Paige Smith notes a typical case in which a young woman with a growth on her breast could only describe it to her physician as a pain in her stomach. Physical examinations were almost unknown. Gynecological investigations in particular were only made as a last resort and then usually in a darkened room under a sheet. One doctor in Philadelphia boasted that women prefer to suffer the extremity of danger and pain rather than waive those scruples of delicacy which prevent their maladies from being fully explored. Death, in other words, was preferred to immodesty. Given the depths of medical ignorance, it was probably just as well that the medical men kept their hands to themselves. Such was a lack of knowledge in the regard to female physiology that until the closing years of the 19th century, it was widely believed that the touch of a menstruating woman could turn a ham rancid. The British Medical Journal ran a lively correspondence on the matter in 1878. Nor was it just male doctors who were profoundly innocent. As late as 1901, in a book entitled, What a Young Wife Ought to Know. Dr. Emma Drake was informing her readers that during pregnancy, they might experience uncomfortable feelings of arousal. This, she explained frankly, was due to some unnatural condition and should be considered a disease. Not surprisingly, sexual ignorance was appalling. On the eve of her wedding, the future novelist Edith Wharton asked her mother what would be expected of her in the bridal chamber. You've seen enough pictures and statues in your life, her mother stammered. Haven't you noticed that men are made differently from women? And with that closed the subject. Those who sought enlightenment from sex manuals were left 
little wiser. The two best-selling guides of the day were What a Young Boy Ought to Know and What a Young Girl Ought to Know, both written by a clergyman named Sylvanus Stahl. Despite the book's title, Stahl was at pains to make sure that his young readers should in fact know nothing. To deal with the inevitable question of where babies come from, he suggested parents memorize the following roundabout answer. My dear child, the question you have asked is one that every man and woman, every intelligent boy or girl, and even many young children have asked themselves or others whence and how they came into the world. If you were to ask where the locomotives and the steamship or the telegraph and the telephone came from, it would be wisest in order that we might have the most satisfactory answer that we should go back to the beginning of these things and consider what was done by George Stevenson and Robert Fulton and by Benjamin Franklin and Samuel Morse, by Graham Bell and Thomas Edison toward developing and perfecting these useful inventions." So there you have it, my child. They come from eminent inventors. (laughs) But no, Stahl then abruptly switches back and launches into a discussion of corn stalks and their tassels with oblique references to Mama and Papa Shad, birds and eggs, oaks and acorns, and other such natural processes, but without so much as a hint as to how many of them or how they managed to regenerate. Then As some kind of cooling down exercise after this heady cantor, he provides a brief sermon. Uh, For women, ignorance was not just confined to matters sexual. Conventional wisdom had had it that members of the fair sex should not be exposed to matters that might tax their fragile and flighty minds. Even as enlightened an observer as Thomas Jefferson believed that females should not wrinkle their foreheads with politics or excite their susceptible passions overmuch with books and poetry, but rather should confine themselves to dancing, drawing, and music. Recounting the difficulties of trying to bring liberal education to young women, Emma Willard, founder of the Troy Female Seminary, the first true American girls' school, noted how parents had covered their faces and fled a classroom in shame and dismay when they found one of the pupils drawing a picture of the human circulatory system on a blackboard. If by some miracle a woman managed to acquire a little learning, she was not expected to share it with the world. An influential manual, a father's legacy to his daughters, cautioned its young readers, if you happen to have any learning, keep it a profound secret, especially from the men. When in 1828, Fanny Wright gave a series of public lectures, the nation's press was at first shocked and then outraged. A newspaper in Louisville accused her of committing an act against nature, and the New York Free Inquirer declared that she had, with ruthless violence, broken loose from the restraints of decorum. The New York American decided that she had ceased to be a woman by her actions. No one objected to the content of the lectures, you understand, but merely that it was issuing from the mouth of a female. The tiniest derivation from the conventional behavior earned the rebuke of newspapers. In 1881, the New York Times editorialized against the growing use of slang by women. The implications that bespoke a dangerous moral laxity and cited an example, the shocking expression, what a cunning hat. 
Yet, and here is a great confusing paradox of the age, at the very time that these repressive currents were swirling around, many women were stepping forward and demanding to be heard with the vigor and boldness that would not be repeated for a century. The women's movement of the 19th century grew out of a huge thrust for social change that gripped America like a fever between about 1830 and 1880. Scores of new ideas seized the popular consciousness and found huge fanatical followings. Utopianism, spiritualism, populism, vegetarianism, socialism, women's... Women's... Suffrage, black emancipation, tax reform, food reform, communism, communalism, mysticism, occultism, second adventism, temperance, transcendentalism. People dipped into these social possibilities as if pulling sweets from a bag. One group called for free thought, free love, free land, free food, free drink, free medicine, free Sunday, free marriage, and free divorce. Another, styling itself as the nothing Aryans, rallied a cry behind no God, no government, no marriage, no money, no meat, no tobacco, no Sabbath, no skirts, no church, no war, and no slaves. For women, the social ferment presented an opportunity to take part for the first time in public debate. It began with a few lectures, usually to other women in private homes, on subjects like abolition and education. By mid-century, women were appearing on public platforms and speaking not just for abolition or vegetarianism or transcendentalism, but for their own interests. Two of the most outspoken were the sisters Tennessee Coughlin and Victoria Coughlin Woodhill, Woodhull, who jointly ran a successful New York stockbroking firm and published a popular magazine, Woodhull Woodhull and Claffin's Weekly, which espoused a variety of utopian schemes and engaged in an early form of outing when exposing the affair of preacher Henry Ward Beecher and Elizabeth Tilden, the wife of one of his parishioners. Curiously, they didn't attack him for this, but praised him for his immense physical potency and... uh, Amativeness. Ooh, I don't know what that word means. Woodhull was particularly, and in the context of the times, breathtakingly forthright in her demands for free love. If I want sexual intercourse with one or a hundred men, I shall have it, she thundered. And this sexual intercourse business may as well be discussed until you are so familiar with your sexual organs and a reference to them will no longer make the blush mount your face any more than reference to any other part of the body. As a way of asserting their newfound sense of independence, many women took to wearing bloomers, an article of clothing named for media, uh, Amelia Bloomer, a postmistress in upstate New York and a leading temperance lecturer. Bloomer did not invent bloomers, but merely popularized them. Bloomers could hardly have been more modest. They were a sort of voluminous pant, not unlike those worn by modern baseball players, worn under a short skirt or smock. Like a stratosphere balloon with two hot dogs peeping out from under the bottom, as one historian has put it. And they freed women from the horrible constraints of corsets and bodices. They were decorous and they were made eminent and they made eminent sense, but predictably they aroused huge agitation from and from pulpits to newspapers, editorials they fulminated against as graceless as best, lascivious at worst. It was not until much later that bloomers came to signify a woman's underclothing. Pressing for the right for women's suffrage, Woodhull ran for president in 1872 as a candidate of the Equal Rights Party. 
her running mate, was the freed slave Frederick Douglass. Soon afterward, she moved to England, married an aristocrat, got religion, and recanted almost everything. She devoted much of the energies of her later years, trying to persuade newspapers to throw out their files of her earlier utterances sell out. By this time, however, others had rushed to fill the vacuum created by her departure. The forthrightness with which many of these early feminists put their views seem astonishingly out of keeping with our usual perception of the age. Angela Haywood launched a spirited campaign for free love in which she made the universal acceptance of the word fuck a central tenet. Why should she be compelled to use the term generative sexual intercourse in her lectures? She repeatedly asked three words, 27 letters to define a given action, commonly spoken in one word of four letters that everybody knows the meaning of. No less unexpectedly, the most vociferous exponents of free love and other racial radical parties were found not in Boston or New York, but out in the prairies in places like Iowa, Kansas, and Illinois. In the most radical free-thinking newspaper, Lucifer was based in Valley Falls, Kansas. It is worth noting, however, that even among the most committed bastions of liberal, liberal, libertarianism, sexual enlightenment was sometimes elusive quality was a sometimes elusive quality. Even here, it was widely believed that masturbation dangerously thinned the blood and destroyed vital energy. Many in the free love movement supported uninhibited sexual intercourse between men and women, not because of its inherent virtues, but simply because it prevented masturbation. <laughs> Never before, nor since, in short, has there been a more confused and bewildering age. To read on the one hand the New York Times castigating women for saying, what a cunning hat, and on the other, Angela Haywood pu publicly arguing for the right to say fuck, in it, all its, uh, it is all but impossible to believe that we are dealing with the same people in the same century, in the same country, in the same century. Ooh. Wow, that was long read. Hey, gave you guys some history today. Women's history, you're welcome. Hey. Uh, we shall get to the gnarl pro-choice minute here. Uh, you guys should go to gnarl, check them out, like them on Facebook, Pro-Choice America. Please do that. Uh, this is their statement today on the women's strike just came out today. Thousands of women across the nation are striking today to recognize a day without a woman and calling for policies that protect and expand women's freedom and equality. In recognition of the women's strike, NARL Pro-Choice America President Ilse Hoag released the following statement. Today, a day without a woman sends a clear message to President 45 and his, I, I say 45, I'm sorry you guys, I just won't say his name, and his allies in the Congress as they work to roll back the clock on women's equality and freedom. A world without us simply doesn't function. We need leaders who will keep our progress on women's equality and freedom moving forward, not politicians who are dead set on holding us back. We need leaders who understand that for society to function, women need policies that give us power and freedom to determine our own destinies. We need leaders who understand that when women have freedom, our families thrive, our community thrives, and our economy thrives. 
Narl's 1.2 million member activists are proud to stand together on the picket line in support of today's strike because we refuse to let a world without women, a world enshrined in misogynistic and dangerous worldview leaders like President 45, to become a reality. Now, Pro-Choice America and its network of state affiliates are dedicated to protecting and expanding reproductive freedom for all Americans. NARL works to guarantee that every woman has the right to make personal decisions regarding the full range of reproductive choices, including prevented, preventing unintended pregnancy, bearing healthy children, and choosing legal abortion. In recognition of its work defending our constitutional right to choose, Fortune magazine described NARL as one of the top 10 advocacy groups in America. Yay, Narl. Uh, so, women's strike today, everybody. If you have uh, something to say about it, give me a call. 415-550-0511 here at Mutiny Radio. Uh, it's the AltaCast, and I will be joined by my co-host, LaToya, the Sheriff of Truth, at 1 o'clock. I'm excited. Ah. Uh, so yeah, last week end was the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. And we had some amazing comedians from all over the United States. And it felt like comedy summer camp. And I think we all had a really, really good time. Uh, yeah. I mean, we didn't make as much money as we did last year, but we had bigger audiences. So I don't know. Weird. Uh, hey, listening uh, behind us all the time, it's Kope, the Bjork of Japan. Love it. So yeah, the um, the Muni Radio Comedy Festival. I mean, it was. I think a lot of people they say it was great. I, I'm just a person that, uh, unfortunately, my expectations are very high and always of myself, and unfortunately, often the ones I have on myself bleed over to other people and I hate I hate it when I do that because uh, I mean I don't want to be disappointed in other people uh, but and but that only happens when I have really high expectations for things but and that's something that I need to work on I mean as this is sort of a the therapy moment here <laughs> uh, I guess it would be called a success the audiences were full almost the whole time people enjoyed the shows we made a lot of money that's good. That's great. Um, and everyone had a great time. And it was comedy summer camp. So, uh, yeah. And it's great. All the people I had the opportunity to meet from Oregon, from Seattle. I mean, two of my favorite comics uh, from Seattle and two were from Boston. It was Reed Clark and Joe Kelly out of Seattle. Both very different comedians. Just happened to be from the same town and also very, very awesome. And then same with Ben Quick and Alex Papa. Uh, awesome guys. They both just happened to be from Boston. I don't know if they sort of grouped up that way. They kind of came. I don't know how they all. Anyways, all they all came down together. It was great. Uh, and then we had uh, Patrick Fowler all the way from South Bend, Indiana. I can't believe he flew in from Indiana. That amazes me that uh, that he did that. It makes me really happy. We had so many great comics from. Oregon, I mean, too, too many to name. Hunter Donaldson, uh, Ben Harkins, James Barella, Jake Breslauer, Belinda Carroll, uh, Elena Be Becker. The, and then from Austin, we had Piper Shepard 
And I'm just saying names. I'm just saying names. And uh, Tanya Nassimeno. I could say everybody from the whole festival. It was great. They were all, all the people from out of town were really, really good. And blew us out of the water. Man, uh, Andy Picaro out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Holy fuck. Moving to LA, can see why. Get that guy a sitcom ASAP. And uh, and his friend Ray Zawadney came, got to do two shows. We had a great time. Tony Sparks headlines. It was really, it was really a lot of fun, uh, and really, really great comics. And that was the thing is there were a lot of San Francisco comics involved as well. Uh, Journey Roberts, Clay Newman, Ginny Verstorta. There were there were, there were a bunch, but uh, I'm telling you, these people from out of town. Maybe just because I've never heard their jokes, I was just like, they're so good. Anyways, they were really, really great. All right, moving in to the Drug Policy Alliance. A day without a woman? What about two weeks? What about three months? Uh, let's read a little news from them. A little blog, a little bloggy news. Uh, this is written by Melissa Franqui. A day without a woman? What about two weeks? What about three months? A year even? These are the length of time that families go without a woman in their lives because she is incarcerated in a U.S. jail, often not even convicted of a crime. Today on International Women's Day and also, and also a national day of protest, a day without a woman, a moment of action for equality, justice, and human rights. I hold up the overlooked, forgotten, and disappeared, the mothers, sisters, daughters, all 110,000 of them who are surviving behind bars. The Vera Institute of Justice recently released a report overlooked women in jails in an era of reform that reveals a stark picture of a criminal justice system that is broken, inhumane, and in need of drastic and immediate reforms, especially in the area of women's incarceration. Since 1970, due to a drug war, dragnet, and broken windows policy, the number of women in jail has increased 14-fold from 8,000 to 110,000. The vast majority of women in jail, or uh, the vast majority of women in jail, or 82%, are charged with low-level and non-violent offenses, mostly, prop mostly property and drug-related. They are disproportionately people of color, poor survivors of sexual violence and trauma, and have high rates of mental illness and substance abuse. Two-thirds of these women are black, Latinx, or other racial and ethnic background. And nearly 80% of women in jail are mothers and single parents who are solely responsible for their young children. As former U.S. Attorney General Loretta Lynch said in her remarks at the White House Women and Criminal Justice System convening in 2016, put simply, we know that when we incarcerate a woman, we, are off, we often are truly incarcerating a family in terms of the far-reaching effect on her children, her community, and her entire family network. Even incarcerating a woman for a short period of time can break up a family, increase hardships, and destabilize her income and ability to provide for her family. Moreover, incarceration can be deeply traumatizing experience as women are more likely than men to experience sexual victimization in jail. Jails also fail to provide women with basic reproductive health needs like menstrual hygiene products, contraceptive care, and abortion services. Pregnant women receive little or no obstetric care, experience shackling during childbirth, and endure post-delivery separation within 48 hours. Women must grapple with systems, practices, and policies designed for men. The current push to end mass incarceration focuses his research on men and then a 
applied to women populations as an afterthought. Evidence-based programs to end the ballooned arrest and incarceration of women and supporting them after their release are simply unavailable. A foundation for reform exists. The Drug Policy Alliance and others have been put have been furiously working to transform the criminal justice system in ways that put people first. These efforts and coalitions can potentially set the stage for further well-crafted programs and practices to stem the flow of women cycling through the nation's local jails. But first, however, justice systems, legislators, and criminal justice reform advocates must commit to bringing women into the discussion. Deftly stated by the Vera Institute's report, we must move beyond an almost solely male-focused criminal justice reform landscape into a future in which women are bought more, brought more centrally into frame. On this International Women's Day, I strongly urge fellow activists to resist and remember to protest in the names of those who can't, to honor and to honor the courage and struggle of all women, especially those who are unjustly and inhumanely put behind bars. Melissa Franqui is the manager of communications and marketing for the Drug Policy Alliance. Oh, I hate it when this song comes up and it's about crime. You ever heard that? It's a, it, it comes up. It seems to be tongue in cheek when I do it on this show. But um, hey, I didn't even think about that. The mass incarceration and, and how that affects uh, Women's Day and how that breaks up families and how it's terrible, especially if they're low level uh, offenses, and especially if they're drug offenses, like small amounts of uh, marijuana, or as 45 said that eventually he'd like women to be punished if they have abortions. Yes, indeedy. True things that he has said, which is terrible. Uh, so this is the Women's March Day uh, website. On National Women's Day, March 8th, women and our allies will act together for equity, justice, and the human rights of all women and gender-oppressed people through a one-day demonstration of economic solidarity. Are you in? I'm in. I don't buy anything, though. Um, but I'm not working today. I mean, I'm working, but I'm doing the radio shows and I'm teaching kids, you know, for free. So... Not really being, never really paid. In the same spirit of love and liberation that inspired the Women's March, we joined together in making March 8th a day without a woman, recognizing the enormous value that women of all backgrounds add to our socioeconomic system while receiving lower wages and experiencing greater inequities, vulnerability to discrimination, sexual harassment, and job insecurity. We recognize that trans and gender nonconforming people face heightened levels of discrimination, social oppression, and political targeting. We believe in gender justice. Anyone, anywhere can join by making March 8th a day without a woman in one or all of the following ways. One! Women take the day off from paid and unpaid labor. Well, the radio show is labor, but here I am. I'm not taking the day off because this is more because I because this is important for me to tell you about Women's Day if you're listening. Uh, two, to avoid shopping for one day, with exceptions for small women and minority-owned businesses. Fair enough. Uh, 
I'll just be buying food with food stamps today, everybody. Don't worry about that. And three, wear red in solidarity with a day without a woman. Didn't know about that red thing. I have a little red in my scarf. I survive. A day without a woman reaffirms our commitment to the principles of unity, which were collaboratively collaboratively outlined for the Women's March. We are inspired by recent courageous actions like the Bodega Strike led by Yemeni immigrant store owners in the New York City and the Day Without Immigrants Across the U.S. We applaud the efforts of hashtag grab your wallet and others to bring public accountability to unethical corporate practices. The Women's March stands in solidarity with the International Women's Strike organizers, feminists of color, and grassroots groups in planning global actions for equality, justice, and human rights. When millions of us stood together in January, we saw clearly that our army of love greatly outnumbers that of fear, greed, and hatred. Let's raise our voices together again to say women's rights are human's rights, regardless of a woman's race, ethnicity, religion, immigration status, sexual identity, gender expression, gender expression economic status, age, or disability. All right. I believe it. I mean, hey, everybody, I'm a Marxist, so I believe in the equity of labor and literal labor, like having babies. That's man. That's actual work. Being a mom is actual work. And in the United States, you don't get Social Security for being a mom. You you do for working outside the home. But if you stay home and you're a stay-at-home mom, oh, how dare you raise your children? That's labor. That's real. Why should only school teachers have access to your children? Have access to your own children and get paid for it. Also, teachers should be paid for and paid more for their knowledge and experience and what they do for kids and. I believe in the equity of labor. I believe in Marxism, man. Why Why is uh, my labor, why is entertainment labor not valued or I cooked things and I'm a great nanny, whatever. I just believe in the equity of labor. Farmers, unite. Electricians, workers, proletariats everywhere unite and especially women. You guys, we are actual workers because you're taking care of a family and you have a job. Taking care of a family is a job, everybody. It's called being a nanny. Why should you get paid for it if you do it for someone else? What if you do it for yourself? It makes no sense to me. Uh, all right. Oh, since I was talking about Marxism uh, the, and the, the religious the religious right and all that stuff about abortion and, and drug use and saying oh it's immoral and that's a terrible thing <laughs> hey did you know that uh, the, the in the bible was like total communism I say this all the time but since I brought my bible in today I thought I'd read you guys the actual passage talking about Acts baby uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John Acts is the first book there that shows up uh, right after the the Gospels, and it's about the early it's about the early church and how you know the early church set up and the whatnot. So this is uh, the first. This is it starts with Acts chapter four uh, toward the end. Here, the believers share their possessions. Verse thirty-two, chapter four, verse thirty-two of Acts. Here we go. All the believers were in were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. 
there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone that had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. All right, so we're looking at the end of chapter four of Acts, the beginning of the church as it grows. Everyone's a communist. They're communists. This is communism. All the believers were one in heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of his possessions were his own, but they shared everything they had. Wouldn't that, oh my goodness, no private property. Ha ha! I'm gonna preach the gospel to you, a Christians. In the book of Acts, it says here that they were Marxists, that they had nothing of their own, that they shared it all. Not like you capitalist assholes now that keep all the money for yourselves. Oh, we're, we tithe to the church. Yeah, we tithe. Uh, they used to be communists, everybody. Oh, we tithe. Um, you know, our house is only $750,000, but we tithe 10% of our, of, our, of our weekly paycheck that, you know, we're slaves to so we can keep our house. Well, if we all had equity of labor and we didn't have to be slaves, we could all just work for the good of all. Me eating food, maybe maybe lower the things we need, maybe need a little less, greedy Americans, maybe give a little more to everybody. Oh, can't imagine that, can't imagine. Sorry, I get so angry. The believers share their possessions. It's in the Bible. I'm reading from the Bible. <laughs> it's like, I'm not even twisting the words or being blasphemous whatsoever. I'm just reading straight from it. No one claimed any of his possessions were his own, but they shared everything they had. Okay, now check this out. In the next chapter, listen to what happens when you don't share. Ooh, this is where we get some, some fascism. So good. Uh, Acts chapter 5, verse 1. This is Ananias and Sapphira. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of land of property also sold a piece of property with his wife's full knowledge he kept back part of the money for himself but brought the rest and put it at the apostles feet then peter said ananias how is it that satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the holy spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land didn't it belong to you before it was didn't it belong to you before it was sold and after it was sold wasn't the money at your disposal what made you think of doing such a thing you have not lied to men but to god when ananias heard this he fell down and died a great fear seized all who heard what had happened and the young men came forward wrapped up his body and carried him out and buried him about three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. And at that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. And the young men came forward, finding her dead carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Whoa! 
straight from Marxism to fascism in one smooth move. Yeah, Acts chapter 4, chapter 5. Ha ha! Am I, am I a Bible scholar? Kinda. That's real, you guys. <laughs> Sorry, I find it so amazing. Uh, so here's what the now this is the interpretation from the from the living New Living Bible. They say uh, none of these. Uh, so here we go. We'll start with this. Differences of opinion are inevitable among human personalities and can actually be helpful if handled well, but spiritual unity is essential. Loyal commitment and love for God and his word without spiritual unity. Oh, so they're talking about spiritual unity. They shared everything in heart and mind, blah, 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 blah. Uh, None of these Christians felt that what they had was their own and they were able to give and share, eliminating poverty among them. They would not let another brother or sister suffer when others had plenty. How do you feel about possessions? We should adopt this attitude that everything we have comes from God and we are only sharing what is already his. The early church was able to share possessions and property as a result of the unity brought by the Holy Spirit working through the believers' lives. This way of living is different from communism because one, the sharing was voluntary. Two, it didn't involve all private property but only as much as was needed. Three, it was not a membership requirement in order to be a part of the church. The spiritual unity and generosity of these early believers attracted them, blah, blah, blah. So they're saying, aha, they're saying, no, this isn't, uh, this wasn't, it's not communism. It's not, it's con- not communism. Uh, but it, it, it is, it is communism. It's kind of communism. Communism. Come on. Try to say it's not communism. It has the ideas of Marx. I mean, it's not strict carbon. Why are we so afraid of communism, everybody? Oh, because we're capitalists and everybody's selfish little dick and wants to hold everything onto themselves. Of course. I'm sorry. In the Bible, it says, you know, share or God will kill you. I love the second part. I love chapter five when we get to Ananias and Sapphira because the Holy Spirit strikes him down. Of course. Are you kidding me? Members of the church murdered them. <laughs> Right? And then she falls down. It was the Holy Spirit. There's the man. It's the Holy Spirit. And then they carry her out and bury her alive. Sure. I mean, the Bible is uh, allegorical. But this seems, this rings pretty clear here for me with Marxism. All right. That's the Bible minute. (laughs) Uh, So today, women's... uh, day or whatever we get one day i read read some uh, history from bill bryson about early early feminists uh turn of the century feminists and the hard work they did for uh, free speech and things going on thanks uh, alice haywood fuck we get to say fuck uh, a little from the bible did a little from gnarl pro-choice america and we're back to the drug policy alliance hey bye bye don't buy donate uh, donate to the Drug Policy Alliance or to Narl. Either way, we're we're fine. <laughs> uh, uh, but you know, support women and stuff. Pe- trans people, all people, people who they the gender they gender mess with us. Uh, hey, uh, we'll do since we're we're waiting for uh, Latoya, the Sheriff of Truth. We'll do a little bit more from. Drug Policy Alliance, uh, some of the news that's been going on, some sad, uh, say, oh, this one, this, 
this this looks pretty good. Uh, we've got some things happening in New Mexico. Let's check this out. An Israeli cabinet proves proposal to decriminalize marijuana. Love that. Let's do this bipartisan vote carries medical. Bipartisan vote carries medical marijuana research bill to passage in New Mexico State House. Santa Fe, New Mexico. Saturday afternoon, the New Mexico State House voted 41 to 26 to pass House Bill 155, co-sponsored by Representative D. Armstrong, a Democrat from Albuquerque, and Representative McCamley, a Democrat from Las Cruces, to establish a fund in the state treasury for research related to production use effects and efficacy of medical marijuana. The bill had bipartisan support with six Republicans voting in favor, including the minority leader, Nate Gentry, Republican Albuquerque. Other Republicans who voted in favor of medical cannabis research were David Adkins, Jim Dines, Sarah Masters Barnes and Monica Youngblood from Albuquerque and Gail Armstrong from Magdalena. The bill also establishes protections from state level prosecution and criminal liability for researchers similar to protections that already exist. Blah, 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 blah. Yay. So that's medical marijuana. Good stuff happening there in new. Oh, my goodness. Your hair's changed again. I love it. Uh, joined by the Latoya, the Sheriff of Truth. Good after late hey, afternoon. Hey, that was actually uh, perfect timing because I just finished the uh, kind of the news section. I read I read about uh, feminists from 1830s to uh, turn of the century that would surprise you. A little history there. I uh, read uh, from the Bible a little bit. About uh, yeah, abortion. The mention of abortion in the Bible doesn't really even exist. They just try to twist it that way, and then also talk a little bit about Marxism. Uh, we did the Narl Pro-Choice America minute about the Women's March Day and how we can all get on the That's day without today. a woman. It's today. I'm not wearing red. I'm working. I, you know, it says paid or unpaid labor. I'm like, I guess this is labor. It's kind of fun though, so it doesn't really count. I'm bleeding I mean, red. So how about that? Oh, it counts. And then from uh, Drug Policy Alliance. We read about overlooked for the for this day. Think something to think about on this day of women is that a lot of them are in jail. 110,000 women in the United States are in jail, and that separates them from their families. It, it makes their lives uh, almost it makes families uh, break apart. It makes it unable for them to live even short periods of time in jail. Um, you lose your your the economics of your family. Where do the kids go? They can be taken into foster care if you don't. If your mom, what if you and your mom don't get along? I mean, it's like, who takes care of your kid? What if you don't have a sister? What if your brother hates you or already beat you up when you were little and now you've got your kids and the, oh my God. And the foster system is nothing to fuck with. Like, you oh, hear so uh, many scary stories about the foster system. Yeah. Which, terrible yeah. stuff. Yeah. Terrible, terrible, terrible stuff. Terrible. Every day is a nightmare. Every day is a nightmare here on the AltaCast. Speaking Radio. of nightmares. Yeah. Um. Uh, did you hear about Bill uh, Ben Carson? No, what's happening? He's um, he is uh, arguably his skin color is black, uh, but he doesn't seem to talk or vote that way. What did he do now? He's Republican. Yeah, he's a Republican. He's um, a Republican. A, a Republican. I like. I like. I like. You almost said. Rep, rep, you said. You almost said punk in there. Like pumpkin. Rapunzel. Like like Rapunk. Like they're little punks. Like he's a little punk. Well, they are. Um, well, he's a uh, he's in charge of HUD, uh, the Housing Urban Development. So his introduction this week, he was. Uh, 
<laughs> he was talking about immigration, which is so funny in this administration, and immigrants. And then he used an example, which was a horrible example, about slaves. Oh. Um, he stated that, you know, you know, when the slaves came over here as immigrants, which slaves are not immigrants because right. the, the, <laughs> he said yes wow you can actually we can actually look it up we'll look it up because uh, so basically he wow. was making a statement that you know when the slaves came over here you know they were looking for a better life for you know their sons and there's their daughters and their granddaughters and i don't think people on the middle passage were looking for a better life. They were like, "How the fuck did we get on this boat?" Well, now they even now there's even uh, it says note to Ben Carson bashers when Obama called slaves immigrants. Yes, you showered him with praise. <laughs> he did too. That doesn't make it right either. Doesn't make that, it right. That, that doesn't make it right either. So now we have these. Well, the Obama administration, which is no, mo- no longer here. Do we want to? Do we want to check Huffington Post or New York Times? Which do we want to list? Which um, we want to look at? They both. Do. Let's do uh, let's do uh, New York Post, okay. just because they're a little bit uh, they're in the middle. Right, right, right. We got New York Times here. New York Times, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, so this happened on Saturday <laughs> or Monday. This happened on Monday. Uh, ben Carson refers to slaves as immigrants in first remarks to HUD staff. Oh man. Oh no. <laughs> Uh, Whippy Goldberg has something to say. Ben Carson's first full week as Secretary of Housing and Urban Development got off to a rough start on Monday after he described African slaves as immigrants during his first speech to hundreds of assembled department employees. Oops. Uh, he, there's a there's a great there's a great quote. Uh, the remark, which came as part of a 40-minute address to the theme of America as a land of dreams and opportunity, was met with swift outrage. Mr. Carson turned his attention to slavery after describing photographs of poor immigrants displayed at the Ellis Island National Museum of Immigration. These new arrivals worked long hours, six or seven days a week with little pay, he said, and before them there were slaves. That's what America is about, the land of dreams and opportunity, he said. There were other immigrants who came here in the bottom of slave ships, worked even longer, even harder for less, but they too had a dream that one day their sons, daughters, grandsons, granddaughters, great-grandsons, great-granddaughters might pursue prosperity and happiness in this land. <laughs> wow. Uh, the comparisons comparison was first reported by USA Today and quickly drew the ire of social media users who attacked the secretary, who was African-American, for what they saw as racially insensitive comments. On the Twitter, the comedian and actress Whoopi Goldberg commented, Mr. Carson watched the 1980 miniseries Roots. Whoopi Goldberg, her tweet says, Ben Carson... Please read or watch Roots. Most immigrants come here voluntarily. Can't really say the same about the slaves. They were stolen. There's a funny one that uh, Sam Jackson uh, put up on Twitter, uh, which I will look up that one. Um, But yeah, so uh, Obama did say it, I believe, in 2013, in which, yes, absolutely wrong. But can I just compare the difference between Obama and Uncle Ben? Yeah, right? I, I, Uncle Ben. Uncle Ben. It's good. Yeah. Um, He's white as rice. Ex- Ooh. Yeah, Uncle Ben. Uncle Ben is nice. white as rice. I like that. That's what we, that, that's his tagline now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Uncle Ben. I think Uncle Ben has... I think Obama has done more for 
people of color compared to Uncle Ben. I mean, if you look at Uncle Ben's track record in this administration, the fact that this administration has brought upon racism and hate and sexism oh, and all so that much. fun stuff, it just doesn't feel as heavy compared to when Obama said it, hmm. compared to Uncle Ben, where it's just like, well, look who's in the background in Uncle Ben's administration. Well, right. I, and I, I agree with that. So, it, <laughs> exactly. When Obama, don't, we can't forgive Obama for making the same Absolutely reference. Absolutely not. Because it's, but, uh, but now it's worse. What's happening is worse because we have an administration that almost seems like it's just trying to completely obliterate our history and decisions that we've already made or trying to overturn things or trying to change our civil liberties again. I feel like we didn't we go through this in the 60s and 70s, especially, I'm, especially being Women's Day, all the rights that women sought for equality, but then we have the civil rights, you know, at the same time, all the people who fought for We're equality. all over oh, again. So, well, I started out today, and I'll tell you this, um, I started out with slavery today, which is funny that you bring this up. Oh, perfect. Because I, um, Steve Poggi uh, grew a bunch of weed, and then he went to Missouri, and he didn't feel comfortable bringing the weed, that, so he gave it to me. Hey. And it's, he calls it the Poggi OG. It's really nice. good. So it was so good that I smoked some yesterday, and I had an epiphany. So epiphanous weed. I finally understood slavery. <laughs> so I was thinking, because I've always thought, like, I've always thought, like, I don't get it. How can we just take people and be like... We own you now. How can you decide, like, I own you? Like, I'm like, when does this Property. all happen? Yeah. But it's because when you have a baby, you own that kid. So it's like, I've never understood it because I'm never planning on having kids. But when you have children, it's like a form of slavery. You made it. You made it like an art project, like putting together a collage with scissors and magazines and um, construction paper. You made it and now you own it and you could sell it on the black market if you wanted or you could display it and try to make money off it. You can make a small child and then you can make turn them into a child star and then make money off them forever until they eventually um, have an overdose and die. Uh, or you can you know raise them into their own person or whatever but you, but that's i finally understood slavery because of that's what it is when you have I disagree. children but no but that what i'm saying is that i understand how slavery exists so before in my head i kept thinking like how could people own people like that's how could you say that that's See, not a person they're not a person they work for that could be more of a indentured servitude though as well because people tend to mistake indentured servitude and slavery with the same thing and slavery is i mean slavery is being forced but it's it's being forced but it's being owned it's being what owned i'm getting to is the concept treated. of ownership of a human being but and uh, i didn't understand that prior because i'm never going to own a child i'm not going to do you that. own a cat i own it well but i wouldn't sell well, i can't really like but i <laughs> know i have a relationship with my cat i wouldn't say i but you own it well i i do but Maybe if I had a child, I'd, but so my whole thing is that the concept of I couldn't, I haven't been able to understand slavery. And I, it's you like, mean, I understand. You don't understand being a master. Right. That's what it is. But I don't, I don't understand the concept that other people could say, you aren't a person, you are property, I own you. That in my mind, because every time I try to wrap my brain around that, I'm like, how evil, how horrific, it's, how awful It's because people. you have, um, I don't know, this thing called a soul. 
and and the thing is just like people who and the slavery still goes on to this very day in many forms like in the middle east uh they use they uh, a lot of filipinos as well as or um excuse me and indians they use them as slaves what yeah like it's but buying and selling people slaves oh yeah like, and then and let's see we can oh, even I talk about women too they sell slaves. women into yeah. sex slavery sex slavery i mean that's it's another thing exists. so and that by the way happy but women's day, isn't that happy <laughs> women's day? but see, you know that's but and that's the thing it's just really hard for me to conceptualize because you have a soul a person owning or buying and selling a human as being property. as property. property exactly you have a soul right but i think if i had a child i'd be like i own you and not, I mean, uh, no, because I think there's a difference between having a child and having a, a human being who you did not give birth to uh, and saying, you're wow. mine, you're my property. Right, right. I'm your master now. You can't read. See, that, stupid. That's crazy. <laughs> See, that's, and it's insane to me. And people would, there would be in a town square and you would walk up and, and want to buy. Like, and I want to look at and then like and touch fondle them. their genitals yeah. and touch their hair Mandingo and look in their mouth. Kind of, yeah. Right. Like it's, it's, it's fucking disturbing. It's so disturbing. And so that's my whole point is I can't, I finally got high enough on the Poji OG to understand where a person could. So I finally found you got a little empathetic. Bit of well, I got, I, I can empathetically understand ownership of human beings now because if you have a baby it's like you own it because you made it and I can understand feeling as if I if I chose to which I would never choose to do see I think that's I still think that's more like indentured servitude because but for example when you get um, when you get an allowance for cleaning and what have you when you know when you're like a little like eight year old nine year old ten year old that's kind of like a little bit of a dirt servitude because the parent's like well if you wash these dishes i'll give you 50 yeah, cents but you own you know? them because you have to house them and take care of them and it's like but they're not i your property, own you but they're but, not your property but they are still kind of because you made them I that's the know. thing i have to think so this is how i understand it like as if you were making if i made a sculpture out of clay i'd be like i made that i own that i get to do whatever I want with that and that's how I understand finally I'm not saying I condone it I'm just I'm just do you saying, get to rape it if you I mean if you have a child I mean in the past I think people did that with their children they beat them they rape them because <laughs> they own them but that's the same thing with slavery they because they didn't see them as their own entity they they didn't see them as a purse person it, they saw them as property like even children had to stand behind their parents and you fed them scraps like they didn't even have their own plates. They just sort of stood behind them but, and you just handed them whatever was left. But the majority of the time as of, uh, you know, with a child and a parent is the parent loves that child and will not beat it to death. Right. And wh- it's I mean, supposed to be that way. Suppo- so I said majority. Right. right. There are some selected few that are sick fucks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I don't, I don't think it's the same thing. No, no, now, I, I agree. It's but not the same I, thing. I don't but, think it's, but you know I, <laughs> I finally but, understand but, but Ben though. Carson thinks that you know we're immigrants right and um, that, but that denies the history exactly. of slavery exactly this this, I feel like we keep trying to change the history somehow can I just I don't, read what uh, yeah, Samuel yeah, yeah, Jackson yeah, 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 said on Twitter so this was a couple days ago when the uh, Ben Carson statement came out <laughs> and that so Ben Carson or excuse me Samuel Jackson on Twitter said okay Ben Carson I can't immigrants in the bottom of slave ships 
Motherfucker, please. <laughs> I love Samuel Jackson. I love Sam. Samuel Jackson. So in the Bible, since we have it, uh, there's lots of uh, slavery. Slaves, and these are, here are the... Uh, yeah. References to slavery. Uh, there's often bore children of their masters. That's in Genesis. So, because the Jews had slaves too. Yeah, Life with slave traders in Genesis. Why Pharaoh turned Hebrews into slaves. Exodus. Levels of slavery in Egypt. Exodus. Passover celebrated Hebrews' observance from slavery in Exodus. Redemption saves us from slavery to sin. Ugh. Exodus. Laws. For Hebrew slaves, ooh, why did God allow Israelites to purchase slaves? That's in Leviticus. Mm. Israelites to release theirs after six years. Deuteronomy, interesting. So you take slaves when you conquered and then you let them go after six years. That's interesting. That's uh, damaging. Uh, let's see. Why we are no longer slaves to our sinful nature, blah, blah, blah. Being slaves to the law, Paul befriends the slave. On Semus, Paul's attitude towards slave, and then we have slave traders, the cruelty of. That's all in the Bible. I'm going to look up uh, Genesis 16, 1 through 3. Here we go. Genesis 16. Mm, preaching the word oh, of oh, the I did Bible. Oh, I did the preaching earlier with the, uh, the, the, the thing uh, in Acts when I talk about Marxism. Uh, that was that was a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Genesis. You're listening to the Alticast. I already forgot where <laughs> I was supposed to be looking. Uh, I can't remember the last so time I've like Bible. touched a Bible. If I touch it, will it probably go to flames? I don't think so. Although, really, the the pages are thin and perfect for uh, rolling joints with. <laughs> That's the best part of um, of the scripture. That's the best part of the scriptures. That for some reason they use this shitty paper. Yeah, why is that? I don't. Okay, I, here we go. This is this is uh, now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. That's right. So Sarah has uh, there's uh, Abraham and Sarah and then they have Isaac and then he wants him to kill him but she doesn't have him till she's way older but so now Sarah Abraham's wife had borne him no children but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar so she said to Abram the Lord has kept me from having children go sleep with my maidservant perhaps I can build a family through her and Abraham agreed to what Sarah said so after Abraham had been living in Canaan 10 years Sarah's wife took her Egyptian maidservant Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. And he slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarah said to Abraham, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my servant in your arms and now you know she is pregnant. She despises me. Oh, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between uh, you and me. And then the, uh, your servant is in your hands, Abraham said. Do with her whatever you think is best. And then Sarah mistreated Hagar, and so she fled from her. And the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert, and the spring that is beside the road to Shur, and said, Hagar, servant of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah, she answered. And then the angel of the Lord said to her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. And the angel added, I will so increase your descendants so they will be too enormous to count. And the Lord 
also said to her, Now you are with child, and you will have a son, and you shall name him Ishmael. For the Lord has seen your misery, and he will be a wild donkey of a man, and his hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. And so she gave... This is basically this is describing the Islamic the creation of the Islamic state yeah. throughout through the Bible. This is at the beginning of Genesis, and they say, Old okay, Testament? Old Testament, beginning yeah. the first book of the Bible, Old chapter sixteen. Shit, this is so sick. Old Testament, Old Testament is chapter rough. sixteen, and what we're talking about is Abraham, the father of the entire Jewish people, impregnated, impregnated a slave. And that's what they're saying created Ishmael, which which became this Islamic. Is love, tri- love triangle. Became <laughs> Islam. So Abraham is the father of both religions, which are both made up. And why do we fight against each other? And why is it in the very, chapter 16 at the very beginning? We're like, okay, hate the Muslims. We're going to hate the Muslims. Now you are a child. You will have a son. And we're going to hate the Muslims. And you shall name him Ishmael. And the Lord's heard your misery. And so his hand will be against everyone and everyone against him. Why are you explaining like, let's hate Muslims. They're different than us. Hey, they, they pray four times a day. We pray constantly because we love Jesus Christ. I'm like, sorry. Your voice is killing me. I, I can't handle this. The thing is, this makes me crazy because this is like the fucking bible and all these people believe in it and i'm like just so that we can so our religions came from the same place but it's because god wanted to be mad at these people but what the fuck are you describing just get along here we are all on this planet together trying not to do kill unto each others other. as one would do unto you that's the best thing i learned in catholic school that is the best thing do unto others and I, people and I'm people just to tend to forget that and by the way the old testament that is some brutal shit, it is brutal in, shit. in the old testament like seriously it is you seriously just brutal you just shit. had a jerry springer moment that you were just <laughs> just right? talking about exactly. in genesis oh my god that's <laughs> such a good idea can you imagine like a, like a sketch oh my god that's so Perfect, funny right? it's like abraham uh, sarah and hagar i just will let you know i'm pregnant we're gonna name him they tear in there. It says she abused her maidservant. It's in the Bible. Like, so are we supposed to say, well, that's a good thing. Because Sarah, the angel of the Lord, then came to Sarah and gave her a son, gave her Isaac, and then the rest of the Jewish people came from that. But she is a terrible lady. She's like, God, I'm sorry I can't have a kid. Fuck my servant. Yeah, exactly. Fuck my slave. Will and you? then I'm going to get mad about it later. Yeah. And then she gets pregnant. When, wow, wow. Gee, I wonder why. That's because that's how the well, human body works. When Hagar got pregnant, she's probably like, I'm bearing his only son. Therefore, I'm special. And Sarah's like, oh, girl, oh, no, you didn't. did oh, you no, forget you that you are a slave? No, you did not. Do bitch. you know who let you be in this position? It was I, me. I just told you, you can give him BJs. What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? bitch i'm coming for you i'm coming for for you (laughs) this is it was the first jerry springer episode it's chapter 16 (laughs) in genesis i gotta throw that chair away i'm taking it out today i'm throwing it in the street it's so squeaky it's so squeaky so we liked those because they came from no effects from the band and but they gave us shitty chairs thanks guys uh but we've got the white chairs we're fine everything's gonna be fine here at mutiny radio Uh, by the way i want to say that last week was a blast and sorry i was not able to come to the rest of the shows because i've been working my ass off how did this hair happen it is so awesome oh thank you um change so ladies and gentlemen you probably cannot see my head but um it's different and it's not purple it's, it's curly it's, and big it's like pink now yeah it's yeah think shaka khan but with pink hair it's great yeah 
yeah just exactly. changed it thank you I, it. I hate as again i can't stand seeing the same person in the mirror sometimes right, right, right. i'd like to change it up yeah good stuff yeah thank I'm you thank you yeah Oh, uh, I can't believe that. Okay, so we're we're coming full circle. We got slavery, women as slaves, women owning other slaves and giving them in sex slaves. We got all of it today on the AltaCast here on MutinyRadio.fm. I guess that is the theme of the day, huh? If I, I was like, oh, Women's Day or whatever. I just did a bunch of research. I was, like I said, I got, I've been getting really high off this Pogioji that he left. Thank you, old dumb face. I know. Hey, dumb face, give us a call. He, now he's in Missouri. He ain't got shit to do. We'll tell him, oh my God, if that's old dumb face, that would be amazing. <laughs> I hope that is. Because I like to hear Missouri tells. Could old Dumbface actually be calling us? I can't imagine that. <laughs> if, is, I, I'm who is sorry. this person? No kid for her. I'll be back. Uh, sounds creepy, huh? Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, let's check this out. Uh, hopefully we have old Dumbface on the phone. Oh, hey. Um, no. Is it? Is no. It? It, unfortunately, it's, it's not old Dumbface. Uh, I I love uh, Steve Poggi, old dumb face, and that and that great weed. So he went back to Missouri, is the whole thing. But before he left, no, 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 I know it's the good, it's the good yeah. stuff. Before he left, he was afraid to drive to Missouri with which you should be with like a quarter pound of the weed that he grew in yeah. his backyard in Benicia. It's awesome weed. It's awesome. Like I said, Epiphanous weed gave me the idea here for today for both slavery, Marxism, and uh, the Bible stuff along with the women's (laughs) march. So we finished the gnarl uh, pro-choice minute and I posted today and I said, hey, if people have uh, stories they want to tell uh, call in. So we have uh, Jen Eros of Friends with Genefits on the line to tell a, a, a quick abortion story. Hey, Jen, how you doing? Pam, you are so awesome. I love the whole show today. Everybody oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're, not, you're, you're not very loud on your phone. If you can get your voice, your mouth closer to your phone, that would be good. Yeah, I'm totally into it. Can you hear it? Um, is your, is your, your mouth is super close. I've got it. I've got it all the way up, and you're still very... Put your lips on your maybe, phone. Maybe, um, is there a volume button on your phone you can turn all the way up? I'm all the way up, girl. Can you hear Okay, me? that's a little better. Okay. I love your show. Oh, my God, today has been covering so many things. My cats own me. I'm their indentured servant. Huh. Uh, my children are property or we wouldn't have had to go to court over them. Right. Okay, that's a good point. Children are property or you wouldn't go to court over them because then they just... It, that's the whole concept of emancipation when they're younger is that right. you you turn them from property into emancipated Yeah, that's why there's beings. such like, like emancipation of proclamation. That's why you get to claim them as dependents because you own them. See? What? I hate right. you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jed, keep going. ...in the family. So, uh, <laughs> you know, for work, he carries handcuffs to work. Um, but he spies on them and everything else. They just come to my house for love and food and we're all having a good old time. Um... But as far as owning my kids and, and part, part and parcel out to anybody, oh, hell no. <laughs> you know, it's, again, the relationship you have your, with your cat. Okay, imagine that with kids isn't, it's just longer term with kids. Okay, you're never off the hook. You always have something that you're doing with them. So thank God I love mine. Um, They're almost emancipated, but still closer to your phone. You're so quiet on the air. <laughs> Sorry, we're coughing because we're uh, imbibing yeah, the marijuana. But so anyway um no the whole abortion thing after the divorce there was no way in hell i could afford my own life let alone another one right i was just getting by with my own two kids 
half the week and meager money coming in. And I had that that moment where it's like, oh my God, I'm pregnant. And I had to go in, and of course it was a day I was supposed to pick the kids up from school, which is stupid, but it's only on Wednesdays that they would even offer abortions at this place. And I'm looking around and it's packed and you've got the guys obviously there that brought mom along for the shame of it uh, <laughs> with the girlfriend that's supposed to have the abortion that day. Wow. And I was just looking around at everybody and I'm one of the older people in there and it's feeling kind of awkward like, yeah, I should know better. Uh, I left the first day. I came back the next week. Um, that time they couldn't see me either for whatever reason. I came back a third time, but I had eaten a cracker. You're supposed to go on an empty stomach or they can't put you under. Right. And this is the time I have the guy outside with the bloody baby sign. So, you know, they're doing abortions in there. I said, well, not today. I ate a cracker. (laughs) 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 Too bad you weren't black. That would be really, that would be really funny. It could have been a double entendre. Outside, or I might have gone to the wrong place. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's the problem with the sign holders, they're running down the price on the people at Mr. Pickles. <laughs> and you got to be closer to your phone. We can barely, barely hear you, so you're barely coming across on the radio. Yeah, baby, I'm trying. Okay. Sorry. I, I, go ahead. Um, but the uh, indentured servant, I have one of those in my family. <laughs> 1600. <laughs> he came over from England at 14 years old on the ship, and he had to be a manservant for his passage. And he was beholden to the guy for like a period of time. And they evident they founded Providence, Rhode Island, and he finally nice. got uh, as a stakeholder in that one of the 52 original parcels. Wow. So things changed for him. Yeah, he's but somebody's master now. Claim any inheritance back in England when somebody died that was wealthy back there. But he left because there were too many kids to feed, and Mom had died, and Dad couldn't do it. And so he ended up on the ship. Wow. Going back home? But from him, we have, uh, I could be a daughter of the American Revolution on one side, but on Mom's side, her grandparents were from Austro-Hungary, military, World War One, and my grandma was first born in Los Angeles, so my mom's technically only second generation american wow fresh off the so, boat <laughs> way you look at this the immigration stuff sucks there's no way to divide a person by when your rights were established here right exactly and it's equitable and i just i don't understand especially because the whole immigration thing it doesn't have anything to do with you know people coming over from europe or what have you you know what it has to do with brown people right well you've got arnold schwarzenegger got to be the governor of california yeah, exactly and he was an immigrant right he's an immigrant Right. And the thing is, I, my thing is this, if you know history at all, how are you going to tell people, especially when Mexico is, you know, right there and we live in California, right? What was California at one point in time? Oh, right. Yay. Exactly. How are you going to tell people to go back to where you come from when 
This is their territory. You can't. They're not oh, immigrants but we to don't, me. But we they're don't not immigrants honor. To me. We don't honor anybody's anything. You just kind of take it. I, I. That's why I find private property so dumb. Because at any time the government could just come in and be like, seize well, it. let's seize it all. Let's take our, you know, the the asset forfeiture thing of forty grand that they can just take from you. Exactly. And they're trying to reflip over because exactly. forty five is like, well, sounds like a good way to fund the. I don't know why I'm giving him that kind of accent. It's no accident, <laughs> but it's crazy stuff. Um, thanks for calling in, Jen, but we can barely hear you. Um, so Oh Thank yeah, you. you bet. Thanks, Thanks for volunteering so much. Babe. That was super awesome. All right, Have a good day. Everybody listen to Jen. Uh, Friends with Jennifer's every Saturday from 2 to 4. I wanted to talk to her, but it was so quiet. I'm like, I can't hear you. Oh, I man. know. I can hear little pieces, but I, I liked I loved pieces. her input. I was able to Absolutely. at least listen to that input. And thank you, Jen, for calling. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Especially, and it's Lady Day. And talking about children being owners property. That story is very dope about, children you know... Property. Um, her, you know, she knows her ancestors. Yeah, I don't you know. know imagine, imagine a, a, the majority of Americans probably don't know their ancestry. I mean, I'm not talking about black people, y'all. Yeah, uh, right? talking, I mean, all people. Who you knows? Know, yeah, I, I'm. I'm just saying, like, you know, who don't even think about the fact of like, you once came for a better life and a better opportunity, and now this shit that uh, Cheeto. Um, mm. Oh, and by the way, he's, I believe he's only second generation. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. His parents are German Uh, immigrants, right? uh, Scottish. Scottish. And by the way, and the Scottish do not like Cheeto. They hate Cheeto. Well, I think everybody does. I mean, let's look up, let's look up um, what the world thinks Thinks of Cheetos (laughs) about I'm writing his name, but I'm not going to say it. About yeah. 45. I love how good you've been about that, too. I'm really... It's because... Um, it's. I read it in an article from uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s granddaughter. She said, you want to know how to combat uh, 45? 10 easy ways uh, that you can protest and be an activist on a daily basis. Really little things. Just like calling him 45 just like other stuff like not to respect him by name that's right not and he's not a i don't he's not a person because of his inhumanity so you're just a number well i just don't like saying his name because i feel like it gives power uh, power and uh free promo because that's kind of what he trades on but also it's like another thing she said in that article was don't get into fights with the other side don't do it it doesn't help anything all you're gonna do is yell at each other Exactly. Just don't, don't do it. They're, they're not. They're fighting for issues you don't understand, and you're fighting for issues they don't. Unless understand. you're a racist. Well, no. It's that they're. The problem is what it comes down to is that they're afraid of terrorism. They're afraid for their they're lives. Afraid of the unknown. They're afraid of. Yeah, they're afraid of like sexual weirdness. <laughs> they're afraid of. They're afraid of being gay themselves. <laughs> so they don't like gay people, and there's yeah. a. They're afraid of dying because God's going to strike them down. So they don't want to have abortions. Fear, fear, fear. And they're and fear. they're scared that the Islamic terrorists are going to come and they're going to blow them up and they're going to steal their children and the children become immoral, horrible people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I and so they have different issues than we do. I'm like, I you agree. guys are insane. I, I, I agree with that. <clears throat> Excuse me, with that statement, because I am from misery. And so this is I was telling someone that. <clears throat> Wow, I I miss having a conversation with the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why I 
I do miss that because I like the point counterpoint of the conversation, not just a debate. I like to hear their issue, just like what you were describing yeah. about, you know, their why they feel the way they feel and how how do you think you're going to benefit from this person? Right. And the same thing on my side, you know, and I think we as liberal, ugh, I hate saying that word. I really hate saying no, liberal. You don't now. have to say liberal. You can I don't say even like saying that word. Right I call now myself I'm, a socialist. I'm really, I don't like liberals right now. I, I really don't like don't. liberals either. I'm a socialist. I, and I have a completely different agenda than the Democrats. <laughs> I'm a Marxist when it comes down to it. And I, I'm on a completely different life path than what's going on with the majority of the politics. I, I, I neoliberalism, I hate it. I, I didn't. What Hillary Clinton was standing for, I didn't like that either. I hate 45. I, I was a Bernie fan. I, I I'm a like socialist. I, I don't like this, and I don't like the fact, like you know, for example, in Berkeley, um, was that last month with um, when the Breitbart writer, the ex Breitbart writer. Um, was going to speak on campus and everyone right, started right, rioting right, right, right. because they didn't like what he had to say. Yeah. That's fucked up. That is fucked That's up. That's fucked up. It's like, why don't you listen to the opposition Sure. before you start burnish it and throwing you know, rocks like, first of all y'all really are gonna riot over somebody coming in it's not like the state troopers are coming and in. it's free speech it's free speech it's, it's california it's berkeley it's you still you're supposed it's to be understanding america yeah free just, speech free speech crazy uh this is i looked up what does the world think of 45 buffoon vulture orange <laughs> prince of american self publicity when it comes to international diplomacy president 45 is not known for discreet language we can't continue to allow china to rape our country and that's what they're doing he told in a rally in indiana and in an interview with gq i will have a military that's so strong and powerful and so respected we're not gonna yeah, we're not gonna have to nuke anybody you, my uh, dick is so big but it's small that's and who can forget this treat tweet mexico will pay for the wall <laughs> And here's how some world leaders have responded to 45's brazen behavior. In France, President François Hollande like said Trump's excess, excesses, excesses make you want to rich. After the American president-to-be went after the parents of Humayun Khan, a Muslim-American soldier who died in the Iraq war. A few months later, after election day, Hollande said American voters had an open period of uncertainty. French, I just like to do a French accent. I'm sorry. Thank you for that. French ambassador to the U.S., Gerard Atto, had a simple word for Trump in 2016. Vulture. Vulture. In Great Britain, Prime Minister Theresa May congratulated 45 after his election. We are and will remain strong and close partners on trade, security, and defense, she said. Not all British politicians have been so diplomatic. Conservative member of Parliament Marcus Fish called 45 the orange prince of American self-publicity. Let's be clear. This is a quote, so I'm going to say his name. Let's be clear. Donald Trump is an idiot. I have tried to find different, perhaps more parliamentary adjectives to describe him, but none was clear enough. He is an idiot, said MP Gavin Newlands of the Scottish National Party. Scottish. A British MP from Northern Ireland pitched in too. The person you are dealing with may be a successful businessman, but he's also a buffoon, said Gavin Robinson, who represents the Democratic Unionist Party. British Foreign 
Foreign Minister Boris Johnson seemed to swirl 180 degrees after Trump's election. The only reason I wouldn't visit some parts of New York is the real risk of meeting Donald Trump, he said before <laughs> November 8th. But after, he claimed he was looking forward to meeting 45. In the relationship between Russian President Vladimir Putin oh, and President 45 has been widely reported, especially concerning Trump's admiration of Putin, despite allegations of Russian interference from the U.S. election, not to mention a dossier with unsubstantiated claims about 45 sexual exploits in Moscow and financial dealings. That was the peeing on him by prostitutes. Thing. <laughs> After the U.S. election, Putin said... We heard the campaign statements of the future U.S. president about the restoration of relations between Russia and the United States. It is not an easy path, but we are ready to do our part and do everything to return Russia and American relations to a stable path of development. Officials in China reportedly are were unsettled after 45 took a call from Taiwan's leader. An editorial in the Communist Party-affiliated newspaper Global Times stated 45's behavior was lagging far behind the White House spokespersons, <laughs> referring to Trump's tweets claiming that China had stolen a U.S. drone, another spat between 45 and China. The editorials went on to say, China has so far practiced restraint at 45's provocation as he's yet to enter the White House, but this attitude won't last too long after he officially becomes the U.S. president, were he still to treat China in the matter he tweeted today. Oof. In Denmark, he changes his opinions like the rest of us change underwear, said Danish Foreign Minister Kirsten Jensen. In Germany, Chancellor Angela Merkel, known for her level-headedness, offered a cautious congratulation to 45 after he was elected. Germany and America are connected by values of democracy, freedom, and respect for the law and dignity of man, independent of origin, skin color, religion, gender, sexual orientation, or political views, she said in a statement. I offer the next president of the United States close cooperation on the basis of these values. During the election, Elmar Brock, German member of the European Parliament and chair of its Foreign Affairs Committee, was not so kind. He is not predictable, and this unpredictability is a danger, and it is therefore not in the common interest nor in the interest of the West that we have President 45. When was it? When were these written? Was this, this was the, written at, at the, the end of January? I just wanted uh, to know what the rest of the world thinks about him. So, but we which at is least, that he's an idiot. Yeah, idiot is the actual term they used, I believe. Um, idiot. Wasn't it? I think it was two shows ago that we talked about Sweden and how he. Oh was yeah, messy, and what and what the prime minister of Sweden said. Like, like, is he high? There's nothing. There's nothing. There were no terrorist attacks yeah, in Sweden. Just, What's going on, bro? Like, what are you talking? No, about? they said, what are, What are you smoking? Excuse what are you smoking? <laughs> what are you smoking? smoking so yeah. right there it's just like they can't even use the they're like we're not going to even waste words on this cheeto right you know it's just like you're an idiot you're just uh, we're living oh this is wow there's i just put in i put in gross things uh -huh. i didn't say 45 but i said his name has done and we've got 230 things <laughs> uh 45 has said and done that make him look like an idiot uh, that's one of them. And then the next one is 30 of the most outrageous Donald Trump quotes. Let's check. But that was from a while ago. Uh, I want to have like the most, you know. He has like a lot of greatest hits. Oh, I know. Wiretapping. Obama 
Well, that's, yeah, here's one that's terrible things that he has done just in a week, and that was January 26th. I just want to see, like, uh, see, that's in November 2016, so it's like, that's stuff he said before he even just, started. Just look at what he said last week. He said that oh, we'll do this Obama one. We'll do this was one. This uh, one. wiretapping his phone, so now, yeah. Right, which is a total lie and just completely inflammatory and ridiculous. Smokescreen, smokescreen. Yeah. Uh, this is one thing he's saying, uh, this is from... The Telegraph, which is out of England. England. Donald Trump sexism tracker. Every offensive comment in one place. So let's uh, uh, look through this. This is great, especially for Women's Day. Let's pick some of the some of the really good ones. Greatest hits. Uh, greatest hits. The most terrible things he has said about women. Uh, there's so many. It's like, which? Oh, here about this one. Let's. This is really terrible. In 1997, when he said he'd have nailed Princess Diana, in the same stern interview that he that he discussed buying Miss USA. Let's let's start with the buying. Let's we start talking about slavery. Uh, slavery. We are talking about slavery. Uh, Women don't exist. They're just objects. You just buy property. and sell them. They're just property. It's fine. 1997, when he bought Miss USA, Trump purchased the beauty pageant in 1997 and told Howard Stern. They said, how are you going to change the pageant? And I said, I'm going to get the bathing suits to be smaller and the heels to be higher. And he later added, if you're looking for a rocket scientist, don't tune in tonight. But if you're looking for a really beautiful woman, you should watch. All right. He has uh, a small dick. 97, when he said he'd have nailed Princess Diana in the same stern interview that he discussed buying Miss USA, Trump also responded to a question about Princess Di. Uh, why do people think it's so egotistical of you to say you could have gotten with Lady Di? Stern asked him. You could have gotten her, right? You could have nailed her. I think I could have, Trump said. So that, he baited him into that. Though. Okay, That's not necessarily fair. But can I say, yeah. this is really disturbing because that's the same year Princess Di died. Oh, well. T- 20 I, years ago. Oh, yeah, wow, Stern doesn't ago. care. I know, I, oh, I, I know, Jesus. but. Woman, day without a trust woman. Trust me, I used to watch Howard Stern. Um, and I, I think looking back, I'm like, wow, that's really fucked up stuff. Yeah, he did all kinds of terrible things. He had the, I mean, he's sort of buying and selling of women. But for some reason, Howard Stern did it. I don't know how he he baited people in. And I'm not, I'm not dissing on Howard Stern. I'm talking right. about this is our president. I'm oh, talking right, about right, Cheeto. Right, 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 right. I right. mean, the things yeah. like the snobbery of the small dick man that had that has money but does he really have money um and and the fact of like the ego of like i have this money and all this power this i'm like it's just like it stinks it's just like buying and selling women yeah where's his wife how about this one 1999 when he joked about dating girls under 17 in 1999 according to the new york daily news trump said he promised his daughter ivanka that he'd never date anyone younger than her i have to deal with her she's 17 and doing great ivanka she made me promise to swear that I would never date a girl younger than her, Trump said. So as she grows older, the field is getting very limited. Pedophile? At the time, Trump Petty? was dating 29-year-old Melania, who would become his third wife. He was 53. So when he was 53, she was 29, and he was dating her. That's She's fine. A, Whatever. Uh, yeah, it's fine. I have daddy issues. Uh, um, oh, this is interesting. May 2000, when he raided women he wanted to have sex with. Look. Trump has said a lot of outrageous things to Howard Stern. We know this. But here's another worth noting. In May 2000, the property mogul ranked famous women he'd like to sleep with, including Princess Diana. 
She had the height. She had the beauty. She had the skin, the whole thing, Trump said. She was crazy, but these are minor details. The list was Melania Noss, his then-girlfriend, now wife, Ivana Trump, his first wife, Princess Diana, Michelle Pfeiffer, Cameron Diaz, Julia Roberts, Cindy Crawford, Mariah Carey, Gwyneth Paltrow, Diane Sawyer. I like they threw Mariah Carey in there. She was the only colored, colored person in there. Well, but <laughs> why do we care? He has a, why does he have a... I mean, he's I rating love. women on the, what ones he wants to sleep with. And it's like... Yeah. God... Uh, he's just so gross. I, 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 it's just, it's, it's, it's. Um, I guess it's when you have money, women are just objects and property, and you can buy and sell them, and you they can. Come, but the thing, it, it, it's, uh, it's just, it's so unattractive too. It's just so unattractive. It, when he, 2007, when he compared women to buildings, buildings. Oh, this appears this in his Bible of Business Wisdom, Trump 101, The Way to Success. Beauty and elegance, whether in a woman, a building, or a work of art, is not just superficial or something pretty to see. At least our beauty isn't superficial, eh, ladies? Wow. Just objective, just rampant objectification. He doesn't respect anybody. This is—he just says terrible things By about the women. Way, you it's hey, happy Women's Day or whatever it is. Yeah. It, oh wait, he tweeted about. Actually, he tweeted today <laughs> oh, did, about did he, Women's uh, Day. Go look it up. And how, how do I look fired. up? I don't know how to look up tweets. Okay. I don't know how to do that. Well, no, you can even just type in Google. This is here in 2007 when he called Angelina Jolie not beautiful. On Larry King's CNN show, Trump addressed Jolie's falling out with her father, John Voigt, saying, I really understand beauty, and I will tell you, she's not. I do own Miss Universe. I do own Miss USA. I mean, I own a lot of different things. I do understand beauty, and she's not. Okay, so speaking of object- objectification, uh, so today is uh, Ladies' Day. Um, so... Trump today tweeted <clears throat> oh and by the way I'm going to read that uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren slammed him today um, so President Cheeto tweeted I have tremendous respect for women and the many roles they serve that are vital to the fabric of society and our economy on International Pussies Day, I mean, Women's Day, okay, good, I'm join me in that. honoring the critical role of women here in America now, that's what he tweeted. All right. Elizabeth Warren. Um, Warren appeared on MSNBC's Live with Stephanie Rule. And when asked about the tweet, she tweeted back and she replied, Talk is cheap. Put your money where your mouth is. Actually, don't put your money where your mouth is. Yeah, I know. Um, that's, give us <laughs> that's where he put his dollar bills so exactly. we can stick them into the stripper's yeah, he butt grab, crack. It grabs pussies. Who doesn't? Yeah. Anyway. Get a- give, us, give us the rules and regulations that will be helpful to the economy, helpful to women, helpful to our families, helpful to communities. And then the funny thing is, so I was reading the tweets yeah, yeah. about... Uh, so unpresidential. Every time he tweets, I'm like, what are you, 12-year-old girl? What are you talking about yeah. now? Yeah, it's um, yeah. Uh. Here in 2008, 
He said women should flip their panties. In a long conversation with Howard Stern, Trump manages to offend just about every woman going. He says women throw themselves at him. They'll walk up and they'll flip their top and they'll flip their panties. And he claims to be attracted to women who are a bit chunky when Stern asks if he's ever reduced himself to sleeping with a fat woman. Trump also says he's been with women with extraordinarily bad breast jobs and pancake tits. He adds that anyone who is any woman who has had a breast reduction is insane. Uh, this is terrible. He's just a terrible person. Uh, t- uh, 2009, <laughs> the, Trump, later. the Trump rule. Beauty queen Carrie Prigine wrote about the Trump rule in her book, referring to the Miss USA pageant of which Trump was co-owner. She claimed that the billionaire had the girls parade in front of him so he could separate those he found attractive from those he didn't. She wrote, Many of the girls found this exercise humiliating. Some of the girls were sobbing backstage after he left, devastated to have failed even before the competition really began. It was as though we had been stripped bare. Just parade. Parade and frown in their underwear because to see if I think you're attractive. I just, it's so happy Women's Day, everyone. Oh, wait, by the way, here's some of the tweets that people oh. tweeted about because his tweet that I just was reading uh, about spawned back- other tweets. It, it, it backfired. Oh, okay. So, um, this is one tweet. Uh, Sir, your words have uh, determined this tweet is a lie. Um, Another tweet said, uh, by separating mothers, children, and not just at airports, but at the Mexican border. That's one tweet. Oh, yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. How do you start a sentence with I on International Women's Day? Oh, good point. Ooh. Yeah. Great message. Um, One tweet, another tweet said, hopefully not by grabbing them anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, Another tweet said, going out on a limb here. You didn't write this one, did you? Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, because here's how about this. In November 2010, he asked men to rate women. According to a report in the New York Post, former female contestants on the show complained that Trump consistently objectified women. Masha Saizi Yakuzka Clay, something claimed, much so much of the boardroom discussion concerned the appearance of the female contestant, discussing the female contestant's looks, who he found to be hot. He asked the men to rate the women. He went down the line and asked the guys who's the most beautiful on the women's team. Oh my God. Gene Folks, a 46-year-old financial advisor, said, I think it was the most uncomfortable when he had one female contestant come around the board table and twirl around. So this was during his The, um, Apprentice. the Apprentice. I never watched that bullshit anyway. Mm. Uh... 2011 when he called breastfeeding disgusting oh yeah i remember that one so i'm just this is just this is hey happy women's day this is this is our president <laughs> Breast, everyone breastfeeding good job is disgusting. hey women who voted for him good job because you did a really great job yeah white women you're really you know what's really awesome white women it's really awesome that um we're gonna take away people's reproductive rights yeah. and their rights to health and safety i'm really excited about that because someone else can make more money and grab somewhere and you can grab us by the pussy oh it doesn't matter I don't. It's you, not. We're not real people. Still listen to slavery. The, the, he's trying to form the new class war. Anyways, they're trying to bring the U.S. troops to U.S. soil because we're not going to be able to be all around the world anymore because people are going to be like, you can't do that. They're going to bring the war to our soil because they can use a military-industrial complex but, against us with martial law. And that's. I'm telling you, it's can coming. I, can I say we're yeah. missing the big picture mm-hmm. and we're missing who is the puppet master? 
Who's the puppet master? Steve Bannon, man. Oh, Steve Bannon, yeah. Steve Bannon is the ghost in the machine. Like, you don't see him out. But he's there. He's well, like Dick Cheney. But isn't Cheney still alive? Is, isn't isn't he the, like a puppet master behind the puppet master? Is he too old? No, now? no, no. It's not Dick Cheney. It's not. It's Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon, by the way, who is the creator of Breitbart, or he, I think he was. Whatever. Thick, think tanks. You know, um, as well as he's a very heavily anti-Semitic racist. Fuck. Uh. That's. And by the way, the uh, tweet that uh, Cheeto put out on Saturday. Um, was because of Breitbart uh, article who Breitbart st- Steve Bannon puppet master or president Steve Bannon that's what I really should say right. um, is um, excuse me he's still uh, one of the board members on Breitbart but um, he Cheeto read an article um, from Breitbart and that's why he tweeted that mess about Obama wiretapped me in my building. Like he, like he tweeted this, and now it's like a shitstorm, and people aren't looking at the real shit because it's a smokescreen. Right, right, Steve right. Bannon look over knows. here. Look over here. Yeah. Well, it's. I mean, when you read, have such PR masters. Yes. I, read what happened uh, yesterday with the uh, U.S. Department of Education, oh. which is a very, very, very important Betsy DeVos. You fucking cunt. Um, it's so now they're now they're. It's mm. these are smoke screens, um, yeah, ladies and gentlemen. Look over here. Look over here. Oh, and gas in Missouri is like less than two dollars a gallon. So that's what you do is you lower gas prices so that people are happy because they're like, look, we've got all this extra money. We can buy all this extra stuff. And then you put a smoke screen. You go, ah, they're wired. 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 And then really, then you pass something else. I mean, what was it last week? It was now we can shoot bears uh, from planes and we can hunt baby uh, um, baby foxes in their den. We just removed 76 million acres of protection for, for rich people that want to go on safari in Alaska. Why? Because they're friends of the rich people. I, I mean, it's, it's insane. These are smoke screens. It's, and These. they're going to roll back our civil liberties and they're going to make us. This is, they're, going, they're doing it, they're right, doing it now. right now. Right now. And so I, I, I forgot the prop that it was that passed. So basically, it's cutting so much out of public education, as well as like after school programs. And it, it's it's a mess. I was reading some of it, because uh, people, you know, I, I like to read the news and I'm really angry. And these, this shit right here is not really poor. It's disgusting. Okay, so here's the, this is, this is, this is, this is, this works for us. March 30th, 2016, when he said abortion was punishable. This goes in with our whole gestalt here. Gnarl, go give him money. Trump caused mass outrage after advocating some form of punishment for women who have an abortion should it be outlawed in the U.S. The Republican said he has evolved on the issue of abortion. He was pro-choice for years before changing his position and backing a ban. Now he believes the Supreme Court ruling let legalizing abortion should be overturned and that individual states should be allowed to ban it. His campaign team uh, his campaign team said he believes abortion should be legal only in instances of rape, incest, or when the life of the mother is at stake. There has to be some form of punishment, Trump told MSNBC, refer- referring to women who would seek to defy the ban. Trump reversed his position two hours later with a statement saying that he would punish doctors who performed abortions, but not the women themselves. Well, that's all right then. Okay. He's fucking stupid. He's so fucking stupid. Uh, there's, I mean, there's so many things, but these are all the terrible things he said about women. Uh, and this is 
pre-office. This is like, this is his character. And then add another mix of assholes to his character, like uh, President Bannon and uh, oh, Stephen it Miller. It keeps going. It just, there's just, there's so... Here's here's a good one. January 9th, 2017, when he slammed Meryl Streep. Oh, yeah. This one isn't necessarily sexist, but it's such an astonishing attack that we had to include it. And Meryl Streep is a woman, so overrated. it's fair enough. Her, she's overrated. During her Golden Globe speech, Meryl Streep publicly criticized Pump calling him a bully, saying his instinct to humiliate when it's modeled by someone in a public platform, it filters down into everyone's life because it gives permission for others to do the same. I so agree with it. Disrespect invites disrespect. Violence incites violence. When the powerful use their position to bully others, we all lose. Trump hit back on Twitter calling Streep a three-time Oscar winner who was accepting a Lifetime Achievement Award when she made her remarks overrated. <laughs> Meryl Streep, one of the most overrated actresses in Hollywood, doesn't know me, but she attacked me last night at the Golden Globes. She is, uh, dot, dot, dot. Hillary Flunky, who lost big for the hundredth time. I never mocked a disabled reporter, would never do that, but simply showed him dot, 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 groveling when he totally changed a 16-year-old story that he had gotten in order to make me look bad. Just more very dishonest media. At least he wasn't the president yet when he says this dumb stuff. No, he was. Well, it was January 9th, so he wasn't inaugurated Oh, yet. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Streep's fans on Twitter responded by pointing out the actress's record on supporting women's rights and LGBT rights. In contrast to some of Trump's own comments, they also posted countless memes, shrugging off the president-elect's rant. That's the last one that they that posted. The but I hope that they keep um, updating this because they've been putting more and more of them. It's like all of the sexist and well, terrible things that I'm he sure, does. I'm sure one of them uh, in that midst of that is how he would call uh, Elizabeth Warren uh, Pocahontas. That was one. Because yeah, like she's like, uh, she has a little bit of indigenous into her. He, says, he called her a Pocahontas. Pocahontas. Which, I don't know why, that's not insulting. This is terrible. This is October 13th, 2016, leering at a 10-year-old girl. Another unearthed tape of Trump from a 1992 appearance on a TV oh. show, Entertainment Tonight, showed the billionaire watching a group of young girls going up the escalator in Trump Tower. Date one of them soon. I am going to be dating her in 10 years. Can you believe it? He is heard saying of one of them. He was 46 at the time. <laughs> I mean, so even little girls are property. So women are just pawns. Because we're all meaningless. No one listens to women unless they're skinny and pretty. I have that Melania joke that I do. And it really makes me angry that he is such grand disrespect. Where is she? I know his daughter's sort of playing first lady. Because he's in love with his daughter, yo. Ew. That's gross. You want to fuck your daughter. Well, there's a lot of... daddy fucker. There's terrible things that he... I mean, there's all kinds of weird things he said about her, too. Oh, yeah. On The View. You can find it. Look at... Yeah. Look up uh, Ivanka The View. When he talked about if she wasn't my daughter, I would date her. Like, ew. Yeah, this is... I would not want my father to say... Ew. Yeah. He touched her. It I'm was, sorry. Uh, I think he's probably touched her. March 7, 2006, when he cracked an incest gag on this, the same year that Trump called his daughter Ivanka voluptuous in an interview on Howard Stern, he then appeared on TV chat show The View and said the infamous words, if Ivanka weren't my daughter, perhaps I'd be dating her. Ew. And then he called it a joke. Uh... He bragged about his daughter's figure in 2003 during interview with shock jock Howard Stern. Trump said this about his 22-year-old daughter. You know, 
who's one of the, mo the great beauties of the world, according to everybody, and I helped create her, Ivanka, my daughter, Ivanka. She's six feet tall, and she's got the best body. She made a lot of money as a model, a tremendous amount. Ew. Like, that is just like, some of the things... But you know what? He's the she's the only woman that he that Chito respects because he's like daughter? I create yeah because you don't hear him talk about his you don't hear him talk about his mom. Um, we know about Ivanka that she got everything. So, um, I should actually quote this next time I do my joke and it's in 1991 when he called women beautiful pieces of ass back when George H.W. Bush was U.S. President Trump spoke to Esquire magazine about the media you know it doesn't really matter what they write as long as you've got a young and beautiful piece of ass <laughs> he is currently married to 45 year old supermodel Melania doesn't matter what they say about you as long as you've got a young and beautiful piece of ass. I've, she, she must really kind of hate herself. Don't I, listen to women unless they are a piece of, unless they have a young, beautiful piece of ass. Uh, ew. That nigga nasty. And it's just, just, he's, mm. he has a small dick. He probably has a tiniest dick, micro dick. Like, I'm sorry, he just, I, there's, a, there's maybe i mean it doesn't i mean it, it is has, that what is that where all yes. of the aggression comes from is yes. that it's just so egotistical and think about it have you ever been on a date or what but who cares the size of a penis exactly but that's this is the thing about manhood and this is i've been on many dates with dudes that are like they were yeah I, this egotistical yeah blah, blah. It's you know we can get manhood. you off in so many ways and if it's smaller that's fine because i'm not into that like that much manhood. it doesn't but it's because they're so selfish and they're like i need to make you come with my dick and it's like you can use all kinds of things you can use dildos in your hands you can get creative it's actually better it's hard for a dick to make a woman come i can't believe we're ending with this but it's hard for a man to make a woman come on women's on day, women's day on women's day how about you stop thinking about your dick you selfish fuckball make the woman come you know what and it might not be your has. precious dick you're put off maybe you could do a little work maybe you could talk to communication communication but that's how you make women come is you and by talking to and them laughter making laughter. a woman laugh is the sexiest thing but i never even i mean i didn't use i never had a dildo in my first marriage because my i didn't know that my husband had a small penis and it didn't i it's just the but the now you know why of man but you know but you know why he is the way he is now there <laughs> Stay Okay, thank you guys for joining us on the AltaCast here today on Women's Day. Go make a woman come. There we go. insomnia, anxiety, stress, chronic brain, depression, nausea, and can induce euphoria and stimulate appetite? I'm gonna guess waffles. <laughs> that is incorrect. What? 
actually Alex, the food I'm talking about are cannabis-based medicinal extracts. Cannabis-based medicinal extracts? That sounds like you're smoking drugs, Ed. No, baby! There are smokeless, safe, and less expensive alternative to smoking. But can I use it to sleep? Yes, baby! Good! Because I'm so excited by this that I may never sleep again! And it sounds like you, Alex, may want to check out the number 4 Alta, Alta California.com for a non-addictive pharmaceutical free alternative to smoking medical marijuana. This is Tusser Matters with Mute in the Radio. Big up to the number one station that rule the nation. Give it to me every time. Ah! Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's Underground they have a fun time at Pamtastic's deep in the Mission District where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. Do you need an awesome and underground space for an event? Look no further than mutinyradio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsidai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. Trying to hurt me, but boy, how it burns me whenever she touched me. And oh, I feel so lucky. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice. 
LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> <laughs> SF brings you visual and auditory mind control. For the best graphic design, physical merchandise, and live music promotion, go to www.subliminalsf.com and check out their hilarious t-shirts and super cool bands at clubs and bars all over the Bay Area. Subliminal SF creates amazing flyers, posters, and design for every need. So go now to www.subliminalsf.com and experience what this wonderful local business has to offer. The second annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival is coming March 1st through 5th, 2017 to San Francisco, featuring 25 shows in five days and 50 comedians from across the entire U.S., From Washington and Portland to Los Angeles, New York to Indiana, Tennessee to Pennsylvania, these comics will join San Francisco's best underground comedians for five days of comedy at Mutiny Radio. All shows will be live streaming and available after via podcast at www.mutinyradio.fm. But see them live in our intimate 30-seat performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Mission, March 1st through 5th. Tickets available on our website, www.mutinyradio.fm now brought to you by our generous festival sponsors alta california botanicals destiny's mom what a tomato produce company the law offices of john p strauss the third asiento frufruhot.com jankytown.org brooke heineken pervert fervor and trina roderick the 